as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Welcome to Brothers in Arms, brought to you by Catholic Men for Jesus Christ, with your hosts, George Rose and Bill Maher. Stay tuned as George, Bill, and their guests discuss topics relevant to Catholic men living out their faith in today's challenging world. And now, here are the hosts of Brothers in Arms, George Rose and Bill Maher. Well, good evening, my brothers. This is Bill Maher. I'm here with my co-host, George Rose. We're doing the Wonder Twin Dash right here, or the COVID Shuffle. We're doing the COVID Shuffle on this Friday, July 3rd, 2020. Crazy Friday. Uh, Little thunderstorms hitting in, in and out, depending on where you are in our greater listening area. It really depends on where you are, right? I mean, most people are in Jersey, PA. Yeah, yeah. But we do have listeners in other parts of the world. So we welcome you to our show if you're in Algiers or Cameroon or wherever else that is in this listening world. We are doing, as I said, the COVID shuffle, trying to uh, get ready for a great Fourth of July weekend. What do you got planned for this weekend, George? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that, guys. Um, So weekend, what are you doing? Oh, all right. I am uh, going, going up to Wallkill, New York, Billy, to my brother's uh, house for some fireworks up in uh, upstate New York. Since we live in Pennsylvania, I totally loaded up on the fireworks earlier this week, and we're uh, bringing them up there to have a good time. Beautiful, beautiful. I tell you, uh, it, now fireworks are legal now in New Jersey, but they're not necessarily the fun ones, but they are legal, so I, I, I'm going to be loading up on I'll, I'll do legal. Well, it's a short drive over to PA, Billy. Just come get some mortars and have a good time. <laughs> yeah, like you're not. <laughs> so anyway, 4th of July is always a lot of fun. And, and listen, I hope you guys are able to enjoy your 4th of July. I know there's so many things in the news, so many things going on that we sort of lose our focus on, on who we are as a people of hope, right? We are a people of hope, so let's not fall to the fear that we i mean you read social media right now and it's just like a, a sentence for depression it really is it's sad um, friends fighting with friends and so forth that's just uh oh uh, there's reclaim, so much reclaim some sanity here yeah there's so much agitation out there in the world right now uh it's you know new york city um just hard to watch you know and and we grew just up here in trenton yeah, Trenton, we're, everywhere. We broadcast yeah. out of Trenton, and there was some issues right here in Trenton. Is that really? And I grew up in Long Island, so I remember New York City back in the uh, the 70s and the 80s, and it wasn't pretty, Billy, you know, back then. Uh, I remember Times Square was completely boarded up, and it was filled with prostitutes and drug dealers, and, like, you didn't want to go there with your family. Um, listen, you know, I just hope things don't go that way again in New York City. Well, we're going to be praying on that for sure. For sure. But, but we definitely— uh, Let's definitely pray on all these things, uh, you know, from COVID to the to the, the the riots, the protests. I mean, I'm a big believer that, you know, peaceful protest is, is very American. It's the rioting that's got to stop, right? Exactly. So that, yeah. we certainly want to pray on that. So how would our, our Saint of the Month uh, deal with this? And who is so our Saint of the Month? Our Saint of the Month, Billy, is a very interesting saint. Um, he's a Pierre, blessed, right? He's blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati. Uh, so... He was uh, an Italian saint, and he was bo- um, born in Turin, Italy, in April 1901. He died on July 4th, 1925. So his feast day is July 4th. Oh, so, there you go. Yep, so it will be this weekend. And he was beatified in May 1990 by JP2. JP2. He is the—but he was very young when he died. He was 24 years old when he died. He is the— Polio, right? Yes, and he is the patron saint of students— 
uh, Young Catholics, Mountaineers, Youth Groups, Catholic Action, Dominican Tertiaries, and World Youth Day. He's the patron saint of World Youth Day. Partly because of his youth, but but also because he cared for so many people on the streets, right? I mean, yeah. Well, he was amazing. You, you know, he was um, he was handsome. He was athletic. He was definitely a saint for today's young people. He hiked. He climbed mountains. Rode horses. Skied with his friends. Loved to laugh. Was very famous for his practical jokes. And he loved life and lived it to the fullest. But as you said, he, he also had a great concern for the poor, even as a child. And there's a story about when he was, a, you know, very young, a needy mother came to the door uh, of the Frasati home to beg for food. And Pierre noticed that the, the child was barefoot. And he took mm. off his own shoes and gave them to the boy. And he and his mother fed the poor family. No, he was radical with his giving, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, I mean, yep. um, to the point where it, even when he was ready to, he was dying of polio. He he offered his injection to a sick child that he knew. He didn't want to take the final injection, try to save his life. Oh, Instead, did he? I didn't. He I didn't said know he that. offered it to someone else who had polio. It said, "Listen, take this to this kid who I was taking care of." He was a, a great friend to the poor, and uh, and he did a lot of you know. He he was also dedicated to social justice issues. Uh, he was a third order of Saint Dominic. He was uh, in the St. Vincent de Paul Society. He did all these things to, to help the poor and the less fortunate in his hometown of Turin. And as you said, it was kind of when I read about his passing, how he died, it was, it was very sudden. He was out on a boat with some friends one day and had severe pains in his back. And they went to the hospital five days later. His condition worsened over five days, and he died five days later on mm. July 4th. But... His uh, parents, they, they expected, you know, his, his mother was an artist and his father was a founder of a, a newspaper um, in Turin. So they were, you know, well-off, well-respected people in the community. And they expected at his funeral there would be a lot of, you know, their friends, people from the society of, of Turin and also his friends. Sure. But they were shocked when they came out, out of the church. The streets were lined with poor people of Turin. Sure. Because he had... Uh, impacted so many people with his generosity and his and his corporal works of of mercy, and um, and and it was the poor people of Turin who uh, appealed to the bishop of Turin for his uh, canonization. They they thought that he should become a saint, and they opened a, a cause for his canonization in 1932. And he actually influenced John Paul II um, when John Paul was even studying mm. in, in Poland, uh, his life and so forth. Uh, and this is. Not surprising as to why in 1990 John Paul II is the one who made him a blessed, right? But um, well, they sound like they're probably fairly similar um, lifestyles and, yeah. and personas when they were at that age, because John Paul II was a big outdoorsman as well, right? He, he was. He was. One of the neat things about our, our blessed today is um, he was part of the Saint Vincent de Paul Society. Yep. So you know, for all you guys and gals that are part of the Saint Vincent de Paul Society, here's someone maybe you can read a little bit about his life because. Uh, through that society, he went out and met the poor, and, and this is what you guys do every day. So, maybe he's a model, yeah, a model for you guys as well. For for young people, for sure, Pierre Giorgio Frassati, and you know he's he's a, a great example of how to channel your energies um, into social action in the right way, right? To, to helping other people, um, and it's such a, it's a contrast to. Some of the stuff we're seeing out there today where people are not channeling great, it in the right direction. Great right? segue. It's a great segue because, um, you know, it's 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 the difference with, between love and anger. Yeah. I see so much anger out there. Let, let's listen. Mm. Let's, let, you know, for social justice, follow Martin Luther King, right? Mm -hmm. Fo follow the model of peaceful process. He changed the world. 
Um, violence doesn't doesn't solve that problem. It just it just breeds hatred and anger. And you know the answer is love. Yeah. You know? Well, Jesus said it himself. If you live, he told Peter, right? If you live by the sword, you will die by the sword. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So, I guess uh, our, our our blessed, if you will, of the month, uh, Pierre Giorgio Frassati. Yes. No relationship to Maserati, which I'm starting to see a lot of those on the road <laughs> lately. By the way, <laughs> I don't know if you see those Maseratis. Um, what was that? What was that? Uh, who who sang that song? My Maserati does 185. Oh, that was uh, Walsh. Joe Walsh. Is it Joe <laughs> former, Walsh? You're right, right, Eagle, right. By the way. <laughs> so this is the madness that goes on behind the scenes, folks. I, my mind starts going in different it's directions. The little blue man in Bill's head singing <laughs> different songs from the 70s and 80s. <laughs> it does. It does. So before we go to break, uh, uh, blessed uh, Pierre Giorgio Frasati, please pray for us. And we will be back in two minutes, my brothers. This is Monsignor John Kozar, National Director of the Pontifical Mission Societies in the United States. Connecting a lifetime of dots. That's my path to answering the Lord's call at baptism to be missionary. In elementary school, there were visits from missionaries who inspired me. In high school, I was president of the Mission Club, and as a seminarian, I served the summer in the missions of Peru. And now, here I am as National Director of the Pontifical Mission Societies. Mark the moments of your own connection to missionary work. Discover how you've made a world of difference. It's a lesson from the missions. Brought to you by the Pontifical Mission Societies. To learn more about becoming a missionary right where you are, visit our website at onefamilyandmission.org. Remember, if you're baptized, you're a missionary. Through prayer and sacrifice, in word and witness, we're all part of this one family in mission. Hi, I'm Mike Walsh, co-host of Talking Catholic. Every week, our show will bring you in-depth interviews with the hardworking people doing the Lord's work in parishes, schools, and ministries. Our increasingly secularized world often makes it easy to forget that we are surrounded by wonderful workers in the vineyard. On Talking Catholic, we will bring you their perspectives on how we can better serve God and our neighbors. Tune in to Talking Catholic on Sundays at 11 a.m. and Mondays at 4 p.m. Love your enemies. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them that persecute you. Forgive not once, but 70 times seven. We have to be honest, we have to be just, and we have to be kind and gentle. Listen to the wisdom of Father Benedict Rochelle weekday mornings at 9 a.m. right here where you are family. Domestic Church Catholic Radio. Welcome back, my brothers. This is Bill Maher. I'm here with my co-host, George the Rose. Better start to this segment than the first one, huh, Bill? I can hear myself. <laughs> well, we just talked about Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati. As I said before, no relationship to the Maserati that we're seeing on the roads. But uh, he is a wonderful, wonderful, uh, soon-to-be saint. Certainly he's a saint in heaven. We know that already. But, you know, uh, the church recognizes him as blessed at this point. He mm -hmm. will be a saint, I'm sure, soon. Um, wonderful man of action, of social reform, of, of helping the poor. Great model for anyone who's in Vincent de Paul society. 
Um, we talk, and we didn't touch a little bit about on, on what's going on in the world, George, and that's kind of our segment now is to talk about the news. Yeah. I mean, my gosh, the news where is... Where do you start, Billy? Where do you start? You know, we were just talking offline about how COVID has actually been good in some ways. And if you think about all the time we're spending with family, mm. all the time we're walking, all the neighbors you're seeing out and about. I mean, that's good. Yeah. I and mean, that's, that's like the good side of this. Yep. You know, a little humility and, and bringing people back together. Uh, but but obviously COVID is now sort of shifted yeah, I, to riots. I th- well, I think it's good until the stimulus checks run out, you know, Billy. Yeah. What happens when that happens, right? Yeah, that's true. And, you know, in, in fact, uh, Murphy and just kind of shut down or prevented the, the, the 25% reoccupancy that was going to occur with mm. the restaurants opening up mm. or occupancy. Um, so that was stopped yesterday. So now we're, we're still in the really? midst. I think about yeah. all those... Poor people that own restaurants and and waiters and waitresses and people that really their their livelihoods are are, are spent you know in I, I mean they're on hold still yeah I mean it's frightening it's a um, huge segment of the economy too it, it is and and you know listen I'm not you know and I'm I'm not an epidemiologist but I can look at numbers and my gosh I just feel like in my heart of hearts we're going nuts with this mm. um, but we pray for those that certainly have it and if you're at high risk stay home. Um, but my gosh. Well, on a, on a brighter note, we, we will have baseball at the end of the month, Bill. The, the, the Bronx Bombers are going to be back in action. July 24th. Hopefully it doesn't get derailed by anything COVID-related. But uh, And you Mets and Phillies, too. You guys are rolling as well. Yep, that is the plan. So And the Mets and the, and the Phillies and the Yankees will be playing each other quite a lot, too. Because it's you know they realigned uh, the, the divisions. So there, I think there's three divisions. So there's like an, an Eastern division, East Coast Um so National League and American League teams will be playing each other uh, in, in the same division, which is kind of odd. Yeah, well, but, listen, talk about who, who's in the East Division. Let's, let's are you going to put me on the spot now? I am. I am. Well, well I think there's— Being there's, that you work for the New York Yankees, there's three I'm teams, sure you know. <laughs> three teams—I'm uh, sorry, three divisions with ten teams each. So, uh, you know, it'll be the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Mets, the Phillies, I think the Braves, Mar- Marlins in Florida, Tampa— um, so they're going to be busing everywhere, I guess. <clears throat> well, not everywhere. I mean, okay. not they're not going to bus. They'll the fly to Florida, Florida, but in places like that. But uh, certainly, you know, Philadelphia, New York, <laughs> you know, back and forth. I mean, that's going to be in- kind of interesting. It will be interesting, yeah. and it will be interesting with no fans as well. Yeah, that's going to be odd. Yeah, that's definitely going to be odd. But who who knows? Maybe maybe by the end of the season this will blow by. Thankfully, it'll give us something else to talk about in American society rather than um, what's going all the you know on on the streets every day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was just looking at. Um, I mean, again, I'm a big believer in, in um, our right to peaceful protest. I I think it's a, a wonderful aspect of American uh, history, if you will, and and, our, and very you know, unique. It, it very is. unique to America. But but rioting, you know, you can't. I mean, I was just reading an article about that. Those poor, the guy was praying the rosary outside the statue of uh, St. Louis. It was a group of people yeah, praying, praying the were, rosary. They were yeah. attacked. And there was a priest out there, too, helping lead it. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's just a lack of, lack of education there. In I St. Mean. Louis, right? So yeah. it was uh, it's yeah. the St. Louis statue in St. Louis, a very... Um, uh, symbolic statue for the yeah, city. I mean, right? he was—he was no doubt about it. He was a Catholic saint. He—he he, he, uh, helped fund, if you will, the—I think it was the ninth and tenth crusades. He—he he helped the Albigensian heresy, uh, mm. you know, which was a, a heresy that 
basically it was like the Cathar heresy. They basically uh, denied the divinity of Christ. So he helped re-evangelize with Dominicans, the you know mm. uh, the people mm. in in parts of France, uh, Al- Albion, France is where where uh, Albigensian heresy was. So he was a, he was a great um, uh, flawed man, as every man is, but a great uh, Catholic saint um, because he was a man of action. I mean, a king of all things. So. I think the protesters didn't know any of that, and it was a statue they were going after, just like they're going after statues of oh, I think I think there was a very, cur- from what I saw, maybe a very cursory understanding that he was behind the Crusades and that they invaded parts of Africa, like Tunisia. And there was a priest there who was actually explaining to the crowd that, do you know what the Crusades were about? And give, kind of giving a history lesson on the Crusades. And Yes, the Crusades went into Africa, but do you know who was living there at the time? And he said it was Arab Muslims who had driven out the native Africans. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and but but that was kind of you know shouted down. I don't think people really were interested yeah, in and, hearing. And that's that's a, a a kind of a common theme. You know, I, I remember uh, seeing uh, the the monument to the fifty fourth uh, Massachusetts Regiment, which is which is an all black regiment, mm. was defaced. Mm. Um, it's just a lack of education there, right? I mean, um, yeah. and again, it's a small percentage of people that I think just want to be violent, you know? Yeah. Uh, but all those that are actually protesting uh, to end racism, I think that's a good call. awesome, yeah. So so we, we, need to, we need to separate the two, right? Yep. So that, that's, I, I think, uh, the point of this, uh, this uh, discussion. But on a positive note, I did want to mention to everyone uh, that is on the other end of this, if you haven't seen the show The Chosen, Mm-hmm. Which is about the the life of Christ. You guys got to see it. It is phenomenal, and it's funny. Uh, a good friend of mine, Father Pat Papalia, was was uh, the other day um, at my house, and he's like, "You got to see this series. You got to see this series." So I go, I go to Jenny. I'm like, "We got to see this series." He's like, "Hey, Bonehead, two years ago we helped fund it." I was like, "Oh, really? Okay, we got to see it then." Yeah, your wife gave. Uh, she was one of the early adopters, huh? With the, yes. gave a donation to help get it started. I, I had no idea, but here's the cool thing. What an <clears> amazing <throat> show it was. And what I loved about it was, you know, and I always struggled with uh, early on in my life with with my idea of who Jesus was because it mm. seemed like every representation of Christ in the media was either he's kind of effeminate, I couldn't relate, you know, or he was like like unreachable, like ethereal, you know. I, I just mm. couldn't. He just wasn't human. Um, and what they did an amazing job is he, he's he's very approachable. They didn't do anything that uh, would, would sacrifice his his, uh, his message or who he was. Uh, I just felt he was just it was just an amazing representation of his life, and and it's I think it's eight series. Yes, it's, it's eight episodes. Eight shows, yeah, eight episodes for the first season. And uh, guys, you gotta see it. It really is wonderful. Um, and if you have kids, have them have them watch it too, because I'm sure a lot of them uh, probably feel the same way I did when I was a kid. You know, you can't relate to this guy. And he's the most relatable person of all time in, in so many ways. So definitely, uh, I recommend it. Yeah, I loved it too. I thought that uh, you know they definitely take some literary license. It's not a strict interpretation of sure. uh, Jesus's life according to the Bible, um, but it's very it, a lot of his you know just everyday interactions with children, with other people, um, and makes it very makes him very real and personal. Not to mention the apostles, absolutely and Mary Magdalene. Uh, you know where or, she or came from. Or how about Matthew? And He's all like OCD. Matthew, the tax collector. <laughs> like you really get a sense of 
what that meant, you know? Like, <laughs> you it was like Matthew was like working for the Nazis during the occupation of Paris, you know? That's what it was like being a tax collector yeah, back it then. It was. I mean, Matthew was almost like a combination of monk and Hitler. <laughs> Yeah, with a little bit of Asperger's <laughs> right, mixed exactly. in. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, um, highly recommend to watch the show. Totally, totally. It was great. Now, you, you uh, before we go to break, uh, you, you wanted to mention a little bit about Matt Mar- uh, Ralph Martin. Um, good article. Yeah, in, in, in yeah I would encourage guys uh, to go check out a uh, video that Ralph Martin did, uh, Ralph Martin from Renewal Ministries. And remember, Ralph spoke at our conference, I think, three years ago. Yes, he did. Uh, he did. So he's a friend of Catholic Men for Jesus Christ and Brothers in Arms. And uh, he was researching a, um, doing a research for a new book, and he came across a prophecy from uh, Father Michael Scanlon, uh, who died uh, about three, two, three years ago, was the president, you know, the great president who turned around Franciscan University and right. the impact he's had on, on the Catholic faith in, in the United States and the world is, is phenomenal. Uh, but there was <clears throat> a prophecy he gave that was in the Charismatic Renewal Movement's uh, New Covenant magazine in, in March 1976. And, you know, the prophecy uh, speaks uh, of a period of lawlessness and with churches with bars across the doors. Mm. Um, and, you know, it does so in the context of asking um, people if they're willing to depend on God alone. And and the prophecy was, are, are you willing to see no law, no order, no protection for you except that which I myself will give you? Are you willing to see no country, no country to call your own except those I give you as my body? Are you ready to base your life only on me and not on any particular structure? And, you know, Ralph Martin, it's about a 20, maybe 25-minute video. Um, And if you go to Renewal Ministries, you can see it. It's really good because he speaks about, um, you know, this period that we're entering where, you know, churches have closed, Catholic schools have closed. And and honestly, I I think we all kind of realize that a number of them are not going to be reopening again. Right. Or it's going to get even tougher. You know, a lot of schools have closed over the last number of years, declining enrollments, parishes the same. Um, and we're not going to have the, the structures that we're used to traditionally to be able to, to worship in. Um, and it's it's going to make us we're going to need to find other ways to do it. And, and Ralph uh, really says that we need to, uh, you know, he calls for he says we need to get more deeply committed to one another and that it's really necessary for us to kind of. Not, not just have our faith tied to structures, right? And he says that, that, you know, we need to get together and pray with other people in our neighborhood, get to know who the other Christians are, the other Catholics. Maybe that concept of house churches comes back. I know, Billy, you talked about you've had a lot of people over your house um, praying the rosary and, and Six like week, feet away from everyone, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Six well, you're allowed to have people over your house. <laughs> Under <Exactly>. certain. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to fly my drone over and make sure not too many people are going in the front door. But um, but that kind of thing, though, just getting closer where it's, you know, worshiping and practicing our faith is not just done in a church building on Sundays. And we've, you know, we've been saying, people have been saying this for a long time, right? It needs to... Sunday, one hour on Sunday is not enough. We got to get outside and do more and reconnect and really just build up our community, uh, you know, people together and, and do things to build up our faith and not be reliant on the church to provide it all for us to, right. solely, you know. It's a good point. 
Yeah, so if you get a chance, I would point the guy, you know, go go see if you can watch the video. It's good. Ralph Martin's considered, you know, a prophet as well. Um, He's given some... Uh, some you know prophecies of his own over the years, and he's a you know incredibly learned man and well respected and and very uh, balanced and grounded. Uh, we should probably get uh, Ralph back on here. Given, we should, given this topic, don't you think? Maybe we'll do it next month. There you go. All How right. about that? There's yep. an idea out there. We're floating it, folks. E- right. Email the station if you agree or disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> So, so anyway, well, anyway, I guess, well, we, we do have a, a great guest coming up after this, Billy. Yeah, it's like it's sort of like uh, episodes like in The Chosen. We have two and two episode series of uh, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. We have him for uh, episode number two. The uh, Dynamic Deacon part two. We yes. felt we didn't have enough time to chat with him last uh, month. So we bring him back for another another show. Wonderful. So, brothers, we will be back in two minutes with the great Harold Burke Sivers. It started like it does for many people, question my faith and question authority. And I feel that the reason why I left was the, the draw of the world. The world was pulling me away. Some people would say, you know, Satan would, you know, Satan was working on me. He did not want me in church. He wanted me to be desperate. He wanted me to have uh, the thoughts of suicide. I started to realize that a lot of the things that I experienced in my life were a result of my rebellion against God and against authority. Coming back to the church is the first step in healing from all of the hurts of the world. I went from being desperate and in despair to finding hope and encouragement for for the future. I'm on God's team. I, I know who I belong to and I know where I'm going and there's nothing that can separate me from God's love. Take another look at the Catholic Church. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. We asked people all over America, what have you done for your marriage today? Boy, I gave a huge hug this morning, like a really big squeeze that lasted forever. Great kiss. Those things are really important. (laughs) She got a really short haircut that she hated, and I wrote her a note and put it up on the mirror saying that she was a cute girl with cute hair. What have I done for my marriage today? We've actually organized a date night tonight. What have I done for my marriage today? Wow, that is a great question. Uh, I took the baby while she worked. I got up with the baby while he slept. Yeah. (laughs) Today, I sent an email to my husband, and I said, you rock. Well, I've done today what I usually do, and that is obey. I listened to my wife uh, when we talked on the telephone today. She really likes it when I listen. What have you done for your marriage today? Little things can make a big difference. For ideas, go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Communication Campaign. Well, welcome back, my brothers. This is Bill Marm here with George Rose, and we are Brothers in Arms, and we are back with round two of our brother in Christ, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. How are you, brother? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Hey, Deacon Harold, great to have you on again for uh, uh, the Dynamic Deacon Part 2 <laughs> after we had you last month. Uh, you know, we just felt like we didn't have enough time to talk about. We just ran out of time talking about all the stuff we wanted to talk about. So thanks so much for uh, taking the time again this month to, to be with us again. No, it's uh, great to be with you. Always uh Glad to help out my folks from my home state of New Jersey. <laughs> That's right. And I, I just want to remind uh, just our listeners, the guys out there in, in, in your home state of New Jersey, 
some you know some of the stuff that you're you're doing today and of course you spoke at our <clears throat> our men's conference about six years ago at this point um hard to believe that much time has gone by and um <clears throat> and, and and now you're, you're a busy guy i think you were just starting your your uh speaking career uh back then uh, and and now you're you're hosting ewtn's uh, Morning Glory, which is a great show. I listen to it a lot with Gloria Purvis and Monsignor Charles Pope. Uh, you also do a weekly broadcast of Living Stones on Modern Day Radio, the Sons of Thunder podcast for World Ablaze, and um, and you've, you've, you're an avid book writer as well. I think the your newest book, I believe, is Father Augustus Tolton, the slave who became the first African American priest. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. I'm working on a, another book uh, right now on the diaconate. So, yeah, staying busy. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say so. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear? Uh, we just uh, we were talking earlier about your you know your previous state of New Jersey. You know, it's a funny thing. You can never really never become. You're always going to be a Jerseyite if you grew up in Jersey. Do you agree with that statement? Before I even go on. <laughs> oh, absolutely! You can you can you can take the boy out of New Jersey, but you can't take yeah. the New Jersey out of the boy. You cannot. <laughs> it's so true. Well, we just we just found out we were supposed to go into a situation, a phase of of the COVID crisis where restaurants could have twenty five percent occupancy, and and our our beloved governor, I say that sarcastically, has shut that down as well. So we are mm. still in purgatorial. A restaurant and life sentences <laughs> over here wow. in Jersey. So anyway, just so, little... so so if I were to go back home, I can't go to my favorite diner then, huh? No, no, no. You'd have to come over our house and we'll barbecue for you. <laughs> yeah, or you know, a lot of, a lot of the diners here now, Deacon Harold, they have big tents set up in the parking lot, so you can go eat in the tent in the parking lot. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, wow. Not not a great option on a ninety degree day, but you no, know, better than nothing. Right. <laughs> that's right. You get those Mister fans, you know, that shoot off mist. I got one of those for the backyard. They work. They work pretty good. <laughs> so anyway, what's going on with uh, with you and and your upcoming ministries? We didn't really get a, uh, a chance to talk about what you're specifically working on as we move forward. Or for as you move forward. Well, you know, uh, it's, it's a little bittersweet because uh, actually I was supposed to leave yesterday for Australia. If oh, wow. my original schedule was intact, I would have left yesterday for a, a tour in Australia and New Zealand. Oh, wow. But that, of course, has been canceled, postponed, postponed I should say, till, till sometime next year. And then as well, like I said, all my other international trips have also been canceled. I was supposed mm. to go to Sri Lanka, the Philippines. Uh, Greece, Italy, uh, where else? A couple other places, but that's that's all off the table now. So, so I'm doing um, uh, just to stay connected with people. I'm doing something called the Daily Dose mm. of Deacon Harold. It's kind of little, although I haven't been doing it um, uh, this week because I've been doing so many interviews and um, and and doing some articles about you know racism and. Mm. and racial tensions and injustice, things like that. So mm. so I haven't been able to do it this week. But it's a little 20 to 30-minute um, daily video uh, blog, I guess, if you will, just talking about different topics in the Catholic faith. And mm -hmm. um, Then I was doing a, a Walk by Faith weekly uh, Wednesday webinars, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I, I do that about, those about twice a month. And as I mentioned, I'm working on a book on a diaconate, uh, for um, Ave Maria Press, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, that's a book for the person in the pew. You know, a lot of the books written about the diaconate are written for deacons right. or the formators of deacons. And so there's still a lot of, of uh, misconceptions and misunderstandings about the role of deacons, you know, just for the person in the pew. That, oh, yeah, I see the deacon up there. I see him every week, you know, but they still kind of don't understand what, what uh, he, he's supposed to be doing. So that's what this book is going gonna, is gonna to explore. So I'm working on that. And um, I'm working also on some uh, webinars, uh, some uh, online, some um, virtual workshops. Again, because you know I'm not able to get out there as, as much as I'm able to, so I'm gonna we're gonna just try and use this technology and, and see see how it works. There's gonna be something for men. There's gonna be something on Catholic response to racism. There's gonna be something for couples, a couples night in. Wow, and then uh, one for um, apologetics, Catholic apologetics. You know, there's so um, we're just gonna the, the, make the offering and see how it goes. The online uh, webinars um, they can be unbelievably um, productive. Um, our mutual friend Damon, uh, Damon and Melanie Owens um, ran their uh, marriage webinar. They had like thirty thousand people on that. Oh yeah, this is nothing like that. Yeah, the, yeah, I've been participating in those online conferences. And, uh, yeah, the format for that is pretty interesting. They get a bunch of speakers, and, and yep. they probably get 15- to 20-minute talks mm-hmm. pre-recorded, like pre-tape. Mm. And then what you do is you sign up, and you can go on there, and you can look, you know, view as many talks as you want. And then after the conference is over, like they, they put it for about three days or so, then you can buy a package, yep. and you can get all the talks. Oh, you know, total so access. you can have access to them after the three days. My thing is just a live interactive thing with me. So there's, there's no, um, it's not pre recorded. So the people will, you know, I'll be, it's live and interactive. And I'm going to do each of those topics that I mentioned three times during the month. Mm, nice. So in case, like, oh, I want to go to the one for couples, but my wife and I are, are busy that night. So I give you two other nights that you could, you know, um, that you could participate if you wanted to. Like so I said, this is this is something different than the pre-recorded stuff. Mm. Just gonna try it and see and see how it works out. Okay, so this is this whole new way of delivering content is very new mm. to me still. Right. So we're just well, gonna how, try how people, and, and uh, see what happens. How do people find out to get on that? Uh, tell tell all yeah, the people. Yeah, just real simple. I've been posting all over my social media about it, but if you just go to my website, deaconherald.com, and just scroll down, you'll see right there on the, right on the front page. Just click on. It has icons of the four talks, um, and just click on any one of those that you're interested in. It'll give you all the details right there. Wow. That's awesome. great. Deacon Harold Unplugged. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, what, what I like about this format is that it's interactive. It's not like a pre-recorded thing where right. it's, it's me, like, actually interacting with people. So I'll give a talk, and then people can ask questions. It's Q&A. Um, you know, so it, it's it's actually engaging with people. That's amazing. Yeah, you know, I, which is which is what I enjoy doing. I think you're that um, kind of which a... has been difficult to do. Um, you know, in in, in this COVID time, mm. but you know, what's going to be interesting is how, like, you know, when parishes start opening up and think what the balance is going to be between delivering content in person versus delivering content on you know online or virtually right it's going to be interesting to see what that what that looks like because i think you know the the what things were like prior to COVID 19 i think that's gonna it's caused a shift Mm. you know uh and how content catholic content is delivered right um so it's going to be interesting to see uh uh, how that maybe some kind of hybrid or um 
So we'll see how that plays out. It's definitely opened up a bunch of new avenues, which in some ways is good because, sure. you know, I do a lot of work with Japan, Deacon Harold, and, and, um, I never did a Zoom call before all this started. It just used to be, you know, cell phone calls. And now I'm doing Zoom calls with uh, people I work with in Japan. And it's definitely brought me a lot closer to them just to be able to see them mm -hmm. and interact more. And I imagine you're the kind of person, kind of deacon that feeds off of other people's energy, too. And, you know, and what you're talking about with your, your interactive webinars, um, being able to talk to other people and get response and just not feel like you're just talking into a microphone for 30 minutes, right? It's got to be, it's got to be much easier to do and a lot more fun, I would think. No, exactly. You're exactly right. And just like you, I've had to learn to figure this technology stuff out. You know, usually I'm doing an interview, um, you know, uh, for you know a, a Catholic radio or, or a podcast or something. And I have to use Skype or I have to use Zoom, but I've never really learned how it all works. You know, so I so I when I first started, you know, doing it, um, I was just doing it on my phone, and then I you know I migrated from the phone to you know trying to figure out Zoom and lighting and all that kind of stuff. So it's definitely been a learning curve uh, for me. So you know, as I get more comfortable with it now, again I, I'm still, you know, uh, have the desire to be in front of people. Mm. You know, live. So one thing Father has me do. I'm preaching every week at Mass in our parish, uh, which has been which has been nice. Um, so you you know, although although we have like we're only we're only allowed 25 people in church uh, right now yeah, um, in our county in Oregon. Um, but you know, uh, but it's still a way of just encountering people. You know, that's where our faith is. It's an encounter. I mean, Jesus did, didn't write, oh, let's go to Capernaum. Nah, Jesus didn't say, nah, let's not go live. Let's just write a letter and send it to him. They can just, someone can just read it. Mm. <laughs> right. Know? Good point. <laughs> so, so Jesus went to be with people. So I think there's still something, you know, COVID-19 or not, there's still something about being um, with people and being in front of people and stuff like that, interacting with people. Mm. And I, I just, I just don't want our faith to become like a social media thing, yeah. you know, where we're just delivering the faith impersonally mm. Mm. Um, yeah, I agree. online. So, but, but realizing too, that there, there needs to be balance there. Um, so I, you know, I, for example, I know in our diocese, many of the priests are still going to continue to live stream, stream masses, even when the church is open back up because they're reaching a group of people that they never reached before mm. because of the live streaming. Mm. So um, I think I think the church is opening up to see this as a new way of uh, a new tool for evangelization. That's great. That's great. And, and Deacon, you know, you mentioned one of your topics. I think you said on on your webinar is um, the Catholic response to racism. And um, yeah, I want to chat with you a little bit about that. Uh, you know, obviously, it's in the forefront of everyone's minds these days. It's it's what we see on the news and and everything that's happened uh, in the last month and a half. Um, it's just, you know, it's just, just tectonic plates shifting under our feet <laughs> every day, it feels like. And um, we'd just love to get your, your take on it. Like, the, you know, Bill and I were talking a little bit about the, the Black Lives Matter movement. And, um, you know, it's great. We're complete, totally against racism. You know, Bill is in, a, in a, a, a biracial marriage. I believe you are, too. Um, we're both white guys, though. We, you know, we don't really... I think admittedly either of us have truly an understanding of what it feels like to be discriminated against that way. But what is the, you know, and um, 
you know, with the what is the Catholic response? Like, how how are you approaching that that topic from a Catholic perspective? Well, uh, I think we one of the things we need to do is is kind of define our terms here, right? Mm. Prejudice versus racism. So when when I say prejudice with regard to race. Mm. Is what I mean is there's a preconceived notion about someone that's not actually based on fact mm. or objective experience, and 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 that kind of prejudice can always uh, often lead to stereotyping. Mm. So, for example, um, uh, a prejudice that doesn't involve race would be like, um, you know, uh, oh, like for, here's a good one. Oh, you're from New Jersey. Where's your accent? <laughs> or what as, exit? If, as, if, as if every person from New Jersey has a particular accent, you know, and that's a prejudice. I'm not saying it's not racist, of, of course, but that's just an assumption that's not based on any factual, you know, knowledge yeah. or experience. Or stereotype. Or, now, when it comes to race, it, to me, it's, again, it's not racist, but it's prejudice would be like this. And this happened to me early this year. Oh, yeah, you went to Notre Dame? Yeah, I did. Great. What position did you play? <laughs> now, I've never played football. I went to St. Benedict's, and you know St. Benedict's doesn't have football. Mm. You know, I wrestled for four years in high school. Never played football. Mm. So just to think that, oh, here's a guy who's a pretty good size, and, you know, he's black, and he went to Notre Dame, equals football. Mm. When the question they should have asked was, oh, what did you study? Sure. That would have been, you see what I'm saying? Sure. So I'm not saying that statement is racist. I'm saying that it's a prejudice statement because it's not based on any fact mm. or any objective experience. Now, the racism piece comes in. It's prejudice with the added element of saying, I am prejudiced or I'm discriminating because my race is superior to your race. Mm. And that's where the racism piece. So it's prejudice taken to the next level where you're not just basing something that's not based in fact, but you're also basing it saying that my race is superior to your race. Mm. And and I think that's the difference between the prejudice and racism. So when we talk about race, so, so for example, the Ku Klux Klan and, mm. um, you know, the white supremacist groups and, you know, th- those kinds of things, I think <laughs> obviously are blatantly racist. Mm. So as far as the Catholic response to racism, um, I think there's a couple of well, there's more than a couple of things we do, but I'll just mention a couple a couple right now. Sure. Is that we need to see past stereotypes and see people mm. and see people. You know, um, the person who did this, I think, uh, very, very well, exceptionally well, was St. Teresa of Calcutta. Mm. Very interesting. A lot of people think she was Indian because she worked in India, in Calcutta, and, and, and spent, uh, you know, started the Sisters of Charity and amazing work that she did but she's albanian actually mm. Mm. and uh and left and she was actually in an order of a teaching order of nuns loreto teaching order of nuns left that all behind went to india and worked with the poorest of the poor and when she looked at that person who was dying of aids or dying of leprosy or dying of pleurisy or or some other horrific disease and a lot of these people, if you, uh, I saw some video from the BBC, about, and these are people that literally were like garbage on the side of the road. People mm-hmm. walked by, didn't even look at them, didn't even give them a second thought. Mm. And here's Mother Teresa reaching out, her sisters reaching out her arms and grabbing these people and showing them and, the, the, and experiencing the love of Christ 
in the midst of their suffering. So they didn't have to die alone. They didn't have to die afraid. They didn't have to die in their own urine. They died knowing that somebody loved them, that somebody cared for them. Because when she saw someone, she saw Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to be, begin to do. And I think we can only begin to do that if, first of all, we recognize that we, we have prejudices. You know, whether they came into our minds from images we saw on television or just jokes or something you heard your dad say when you were a kid or whatever it is, you know, the, you know when those things perpetuate over time, because we know that racism, for example, is learned behavior. Mm. Kids, when they play together, they don't have an issue. Sure. They're just playing. They're just kids. Yep. But over time, somehow, they begin to learn that there are differences between people and that those differences mean something. Mm-hmm. But for us as Catholics, it shouldn't mean anything. It just mean, you know, Like for me, uh, so you're a black Catholic. No, I'm a Catholic who happens to be black. Mm. <laughs> because when I die and go to stand before Jesus, he's going to ask me how black I am. Right, right. He's going to say, did you pick up your cross and follow my son? Did you feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked? Did you love God and love your neighbor as yourself? That's the criteria. Mm. <laughs> what, what color you are for Christ doesn't matter. That's why there's no physical description of Jesus at all right. in the Gospels, because it didn't matter. And, 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 you know? and it doesn't matter to this day. And that's uh, there was an old Andy Williams Christmas song that I, I thought about. Um, one of my friends actually brought it back to my attention. Uh, you know, some some children see him, you know, lily white, or some che- children see him bronze as brown. The point of of the song, and it goes on, like every ethnic group sees him differently. It's totally appropriate. There's nothing wrong with that at all. And, and the Catholic, actually, Deacon Harold, I heard you talking about this on Morning Glory, I think, a couple of weeks ago. You and, and Gloria Purvis and Monsignor Pope, and that's com- totally acceptable in the in the Catholic faith to adopt. Jesus as as your own, right? We've hundred percent. The Catholic faith has always been adaptable to the culture that it's in. Whether yeah, it's... see, and that's the thing. Like in our church, in our parish in, in uh, Portland here, half of our parish is Vietnamese, mm. uh, which brings me actually brings me to my next point of how we can uh, be more open to Catholic Church. You know, we can do we can host cultural events in parishes and in the diocese where the customs and traditions of other races. Uh, 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 no, other Catholics of different races can be appreciated and celebrated, mm. you know, and not feared yes. or caricatured, right? You know, um, so for example, having something, so say you go to a parish, there's no, you have no minorities, no Hispanics, no blacks, no, no age, nobody. Just, you know, why not invite someone from a from the neighboring parish that has a rich cultural heritage? Have them like a, a an open house. People bring food. So if you're German, you bring a German dish. If you're at, from, you know. Someone from the other parish who may be African or Vietnamese, they bring a dish. And, in, and to sit and, to, and hear the stories. Here's, here's been my experience in the church. Um, here's some of the struggles I'm having. And, and then you see, wow, you know, maybe I could do a better job being more open. Or, wow, mm. they're just, they have the same struggles I have. Mm. You know, just appreciating people for, for, for who they are. And, and, and the cross-pollinization that I, that, I, that I like to say, for example, having statues in the church that are that are of uh, saints of color. Sure. You know, we have a beautiful depiction of Our Lady of Lavang. It's when the Blessed Mother appeared in Vietnam, which is one of the locally approved apparitions. Mm. We have a beautiful statue of the Blessed Mother holding Jesus with Asian features. That's awesome. You know, we have uh, depictions of uh, uh, the black 
Jesus corpus on the cross. I mean, things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, even some uh, ethical or cultural things that you can do in the mass, like singing. Now, I'm not don't mean like you know, stat, like crazy statues like Pocket Mom or anything crazy like that, or <laughs> dancing. Or so. I'm not saying that, mm-hmm. but you know, um, uh, legitimate liturgical expressions. For example, dance, uh, uh, singing, singing. Like our Vietnamese choir is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I don't understand a word they're saying, but it is beautiful. <laughs> and the the Marian processions they have are just extraordinary. You know, and it's just uh, it's just so wonderful to see the church is, is so much broader. Oh, oh it is. You know, Especially... uh, and, and so the things that we talk about, like I'm talking about for Mac, and I want to make sure I'm clear on this so people don't say, what is he talking about? I'm not talking about anything that's violating any liturgical norms at all. Sure. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So I just want to make sure I'm clear because I I love rubrics. <laughs> you know, we, I love as the math. Beautiful. Sure. We know you're so very you can orthodox. Do things that that, uh, <laughs> that 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 bring out like an ethnic flavor without violating any of the the riches and beauty of the mass. Well, you know, people forget that the Catholic Church is so multi-ethnic in its history. I mean, you think of Augustine. Well, he was from Hippo, North Africa. Cyprian of Carthage. Clement of Alexandria. Some of the greatest saints in our church. They weren't European, speaking of the issue of race. So we are so multicultural, South America, Asia. That's just who we are. And it was you said something that I identify with 100%. Is, um, you say you identify as a Catholic, and that's what I do. I identify as a Catholic, and everything else is secondary to that. Do I like my, my ancestry in Ireland and I've been there? Yeah, but that's not who I am. I'm a Catholic man. And I think that that's, that's the proper order of things. And, and I think... As people start identifying with their Christianity first and foremost, I think a lot of these issues just disappear. Well, I think I think you're exactly right. Um, you know, it's just like anything else. I, I identify myself as uh, as a person of faith first, and now that doesn't mean that I and uh, I'm putting my uh, you know the fact that I'm black to the side or anything like that. But no, you know, um, it, 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 I, but I live my faith through that lens. Of my Caribbean uh, heritage, but the the but it's primarily uh, living as a man of God, as mm, a person right. of faith, because yeah. that's how I want people to see me, you know. Um, and 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 because they see me that way, they're able to appreciate <clears throat> the other gifts. That again, your, the gifts of your Irish heritage or your African heritage or your Caribbean heritage or, or your Vietnamese heritage or whatever it is. They're able to appreciate that because they're seeing you as a follower of God, as a person made in God's image and likeness. 100%. And now they're now they're able to appreciate the other gifts that you bring to the table. And one thing I would say <clears throat> is attend like an Eastern. Um, uh, you know, there's there's twenty there's twenty three rites that are part of the Catholic faith or in the Eastern tradition. So like there's eleven different Byzantine rites. So Ruthenian. Uh, right, there's Ukrainian, there's Romanian, um, and or you can go outside of the Byzantine. You can go the Maronite, which are Lebanese Catholics. There's mm-hmm. a Syrian, um, uh, right? There's a Syro Malabars from India. There's just 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 go and see. Well, this is the master under the Pope, but this looks like nothing that I've ever experienced before. And you can Beautiful. see the rich. You begin to appreciate the richness mm. and the depth. <laughs> Of, of of Catholicism and how it how it's reached and spread all throughout the world. Yeah, you know, Scott Hahn says that that went right in his that 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 first talk he gave that spread like that 
went viral, right? About um, you know the book Rome Sweet Home and the talk about how he converted to Catholicism. One of the things that really attracted him to the Catholic Church was that it was transnational. It was the only religion that truly crossed borders from all countries, and it didn't matter. Uh, and that the principles and the beliefs were the same, no matter where you went. And and that was really attractive to him, as as a Protestant pastor, because it's not the case really in the Protestant Church. Yeah, that that's true. Um, and and having the great fortune of of visiting nineteen countries, and experiencing the, the liturgy. For example, I I have uh, faculties. Uh, uh, by ritual faculty is to function as a deacon in the Maronite right in Australia. Wow. You know, huh. uh, I've gotten to know the uh, 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 Saidna. That, that's, that's, that's the name for archbishop in, in, the, in, in the Maronite right, is Saidna. And I got a chance to, uh, to meet him, and he's come and heard me speak a number of times when I go to Australia. And um, I, he saw the love I have for the Maronite right. Because think about it, that's the language Jesus spoke. It is, so yeah. when they're praying the Our Father in Aramaic, that's exactly how Jesus would have prayed it. Mm, you know, and that's powerful to hear how Jesus would have actually prayed the Our Father. It's just, I mean, yeah. there's so much depth and so much beauty. Um, and I just wish that, you know, like you don't have to go to another country. That's what's so beautiful about America being the melting pot. You can go to a, a, another parish. Um, a local pastor said, wait a minute, he's, wait, did he say Maronite? Okay, he's a Maronite church about you know four or five miles from my house. I think I'll try and go there one Sunday. Because obviously, because with the church, so it still counts as your Sunday obligation for going to, to Mass. Oh, Although they refer to it as the divine liturgy of the holy mysteries. And the iconography. You know, but it's just, just to go and experience that and just say, wow, mm. I had no idea mm. that, that this was all part of the Catholic faith. It's just really... It's really um, uh, outstanding. Well, uh, Deacon, this has been great. Thank you so much. We only have about a half a minute left, but uh, I never knew that you prayed the Our Father in Aramaic before. So, <laughs> can, 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 Deacon, can you lead us or end this show with an Our Father in Aramaic for us? So I can't pray in Aramaic. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh no! Right. I, myself, I'm still trying to. I'm still trying to learn. I mean, I function as the deacon there, but I do my parts in English. Gotcha. Usually oh, okay. they're, they're, um, they're in English and parts in, English and parts in Aramaic. Yeah, all right. so, Maybe next time yeah. you have you, you'll have the uh, Our Father there for you. <laughs> and, I'll, I'll, yeah. and I'll do it in Japanese, okay, Father? If that, yeah, and, uh, deacon, if that works. Hey, thank you so much, Deacon Harold. And guys, remember, please go to uh, Deacon Harold's website and, and avail yourself of all the great content that he's putting out there. God bless everyone. Be safe. See you in a month. Listen to John.